Welcome to the Media Will Eat Itself podcast. Unhindered by sponsored messages and adverts, we're delving into the minds of real people in real situations, talking about topics that affect our daily professional lives. There are no celebrity interviews here, but what we lack in star power, we make up for with the thrills and spills of what it's like to work in modern media. Today, my guest is CEO of 11FS, David Breer. If you're in banking and have an eye on what's happening in financial technology, you will know that he's a huge player in what is usually regarded as a domain for suits and ties. This isn't David. He's a direct man who cuts through nonsense with wit, charm and relentless energy. Let's get to know him. I'm Sean Weston and I'm sure half an hour isn't nearly enough. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast. No worries at all. Lovely to be here. So what do you mean when you say digital banking is only 1% finished? Yeah, we get uh, we get asked that a lot actually, and it's um, it's one of those things we've really sort of found, uh, and, I, and I guess it sort of ties into really uh, my background and some of the other founders' backgrounds. But really, from our perspective, having worked in big banks and big management consultancies and various different consultancies along the mix, that really what we're seeing is people spending billions of pounds and actually not really achieving a great deal. Um, at the same time, we're seeing the the world outside of those organizations moving so much faster than it is within them. So with all of the advancements from a technological perspective or the regulatory climate changing so dramatically or you know even just new competitors coming into the mix and really showing that this marketplace, this you know, this banking battlefield that we're all working within is so fundamentally shifting, then actually this isn't a journey that's complete. You know, there's a, many people out there who really do believe that actually the, the constraints that were placed around products, uh, you know, 200 years ago when banks were really sort of forming and, and, and sort of laying down the foundations, that they nailed it and that really digital right now is just about distribution of those things. And now for us, we think firmly in the the other camp. You know, we believe that actually really we're just scratching the surface when it comes to the, the capability that actually can be delivered to consumers. And because of, uh, I guess, a, a real sort of confluence of like I say, commoditization around technology and, you know, globally the regulator moving to a, a very different place rather than trying to protect big organizations and actually reduce the amount of risk by sort of throttling competition. They're moving fundamentally to a much uh, a much stronger place to really foster real competition in, in the marketplaces. So for us, you know, when we say 1% finished, actually really what we're saying is that the journey is really 99% ahead of us. Um, you know, we have so much to do. And, you know, fundamentally, this is the absolute best time to be working in financial services and, you know, really getting these things done. That was such a long, thorough answer. It really was. <laughs> but there must be many people out there who, who say, how, well, how dare you? How dare you add so much colour to banking? You, you know, didn't you know it's grey where we wear shirts and ties and no one likes a shit stirrer? Yeah, you know? you know what, we do get that a lot as well. I think particularly me, uh, I think the, the, the other guys um uh, i think are a little bit um a little bit shielded from that one to a certain degree but i'm definitely uh, you know i got introduced at innovate finance a couple of weeks ago as a troublemaker and i was like <laughs> i don't think um i don't think i'm a troublemaker really and that's not really our you know our mo is very much not about you know saying banks are dumb and that they don't know what they're doing our, our mo is actually you know fundamentally we believe that actually even through all of the disruption in, in banking and the disruption with fintech and everything that's kind of coming through, I honestly think fintech can only be successful if the banks choose to do nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, my money's always on the people who've got all of the customers and all of the investment potential. Uh, and right now that's the banks. 
it's just if you spend a billion pounds like it's something that you're trying to get rid of rather than actually something to fundamentally transform what you're doing, mm. then I think that's the difference. Uh, and for me, you know, fintech has taught us so many things. It's really most fundamentally taught us that actually sometimes, you know, David can beat Goliath. You know, we, we are in a situation where 15 people who are you know, highly motivated, highly trained, highly skilled, and actually with the, the capability and the culture to actually really support what they're doing can do more than a big organization with 5,000 developers and, you know, two billion pounds to spend. Yeah. Um, and that's the fundamental, right? You know, we've seen it in many, many other guises, really. It's, um, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of talented people and the right conditions. I really, really think always wins. Yeah. Well, tell me about 11FS in particular then. I remember when you set it up, I was editor of Bank Next at the time, and I remember being in, in awe of your, your sort of just go and do it approach, your bold approach. It was so refreshing. And I've got to say, I was a little bit jealous. <laughs> the The interesting part is that you, you started 11FS as a sort of consultancy, right? But when did it become a media monster? Um, I mean, honestly, the um, we started the seeds of all of the things that we're doing now at the same time. Um, it's just really um, the things that you sort of see now, uh, they've all sort of matured at a slightly different um, speed. Um, so, you know, we started out actually the company believing that every company actually does need to be a media company first and foremost. Uh, you know, the only way that actually us when it was, you know, me and Jason, Simon, Megan and Ross, you know, the only way we could can really compete with, um, you know, a, an Accenture or a McKinsey or whoever um, is actually by people knowing who we are. So in order to really be in a situation where you can create a brand and what that brand actually means and actually more fundamentally than that, that other people actually give a damn about the stuff that we cared about, which was, you know, actually a, um, an aspiration that there's a, a better way, you know, to our point around the 99% still to go. This is a this is a kind of a cry to middle and senior management in banks who are just frustrated that actually the things that they know that they would like to do that they actually can go and do. So, so for us, you know, we started the media same time as we really started consultancy and same time as we started our research and benchmarking team um, and really, you know, sowing the same time, the seeds for the technology company that we run called 11FS Foundry. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's a funny thing. You know, I remember vividly, in fact, um, I think we've got a couple of T-shirts coming very shortly that just says, you know, just those podcast guys. Um, and, um, you know, for a year, I do remember hearing that a lot, which was funny because, you know, uh, the stuff that we're doing right now, you know, in the consultancy team, we've built out a new bank for NatWest called Metal in the UK. We're doing that over in Hong Kong with uh, a few people who have uh, gone through the process with the virtual banking licenses, Standard Charter being one of them that's been announced. Um, we're doing it in Singapore. We're doing it in South Africa. We're over in the US building out a retail bank. Um, you know, there's not many places that um, I think now haven't heard of us. And if I'm honest with you, that's really down to the effort of the, our media and marketing team, uh, many of which have been some of the most earliest uh, employees actually into the business. So, you know, people like Anthony Marion, who came in really, really early looking at how we could shape up the the deals and the sponsorship and everything that we have with with uh, the podcasts that we do, uh, you know, FinTech Insider, InsureTech Insider, and Blockchain Insider, of which have, I think, done probably better than we ever could have expected. Um, as well as somebody like Michael, who, you know, Michael came in as a uh, an audio engineer and is still one of the, the leads doing all of those things internally. 
Um, so for us, you know, really living that media first sort of life uh, has allowed us to have such a dramatic cut through, I think. Um, and I it, like that media first thing because, you know, the, the, the big buzzword, the big catchphrase in financial services at the moment is digital first. And you've just said media first. And I think it's one of Gary V's lines, isn't it, that, you know, all banks, uh, all companies should become media companies kind of thing. And you, you've actually done it. Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting point, actually, because, um, you know, for us, it's, uh, do you know, I've, I've said this to um, I've said this to Gary a couple of times in the past because we we actually had him on the, the podcast. And I, I remember yeah. really. Uh, I hadn't really heard of him or spent much time, uh, you know, with any of his content before um, Jason had sort of arranged for him to sort of come on the podcast. But actually, the amount of times where it's uh, it's really annoying because I think I'm being really smart and it turns out somebody else has done it before me. And it usually turns out to be him, which is uh, increasingly frustrating. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, you know, many of those things that he does talk about in terms of actually how do you really sort of deploy um, a brand and create a brand because these are the things that people buy into you know 11fs for us not only from an uh, uh, you know an external perspective but uh, the internals in terms of actually what our uh, staff what are the people who work with us believe um, about us and actually what our brand stands for I think that's the thing that I'm actually most proud of. Um, and actually, if you look at that and you look at the the sort of recognition, you look at the um, the things that actually, if you ask somebody what what we did stand for was, um, many of the time it's actually just a it's a, a level of directness. It's a real cut through. Uh, we've got a huge amount of empathy for bankers because we've been them, but we've got a real honesty about actually what needs to change and actually how you go about doing it. I stand up in front of a bunch of people and go, this stuff is just common sense. Like I'm saying things, you know, it's not that you don't know what to do. It's the fact that you can't get your organization to actually make these things happen. So, you know, how can you actually unlock that potential? Um, and that's really what we're trying to do, you know, whether it's working with that West or whether it's working with standard charter, um, I firmly believe that banks are pretty smart places. You know, you wouldn't get to the size and the revenue without that. Um, so how can you unlock that potential within those organizations? How can you unleash that talent? And fundamentally, that's what we do at 11FS. You know, we've got that as the strap line for what we do internally is really what we're trying to do is bring together the best talent on the planet and then unleash their potential. Well, you, you just said it with, with common sense because common sense isn't something an organization has, it's something an individual has. And and common sense isn't a part of the recruitment drive, is it? Well, and, and actually it's it's similar to culture, right? You know, a, a, a company doesn't create a culture, the culture is made by the people. And actually I, I believe the, the company can direct the people in the way in which the culture is created and the leader takes a, a, a kind of a, a key role in that. But I really, really believe in, you know, we say this in, internally at 11FS a lot. It's like culture isn't um, a single job. You know, culture isn't my job as CEO of 11FS. Actually, this is for all of us to continually ensure that actually what everybody's doing, saying, how everybody's acting, you know, is aligning to the purpose and the beliefs that we set out as w when we started the company. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, that's really, that's our secret source. You know, actually, we're in a situation where I think people can be the best them and do their best work uh, when they're working with us uh, and whether that's actually people who work you know 11fs staff or you know more fundamentally than that actually how we can inspire other people to do things in a better way when they work in an organization um, so really we you know i think the podcast particularly is really appealed to 
uh, like you say, the, the sort of middle and senior management who really are frustrated that with all of their you know, aspirations of their board and their senior management getting bigger and bigger, that actually the potential is just not being realized, despite the fact that billions of pounds are being spent in their companies. Mm, yeah. I want to bring this back to you and I want to, I want to bring it back to content as well. So you're actually a really good content creator. Do you enjoy being, you know, how much of your day does it take to actually create content? Like, honestly, I'm terrible at it. I'm, I'm not good at it at all. It doesn't like, appear that way. I've got, um, I'm, I'm very bad at writing. I'm horrific at spelling and grammar. Genuinely, if you saw my handwriting, you would be appalled. Um, but I think, I think increasingly it isn't about, uh, it isn't about long form content for me. I actually think the, the way in which you, uh, either, you know, anybody trying to establish a personal brand or anybody trying to establish a brand for their organization, it isn't about, um, it isn't about volume, I don't think. It's, it's value. Uh, I think social media has become an amazing thing for actually, uh, creating an opportunity to capture somebody's attention for a period of time. Now, if that's a, you know, if that's a tweet out, just being grateful to people, if it's a tweet out to show somebody something that you're doing or, uh, you know, to be proud about some work that you're doing, these things are about the consistency of them. You know, fundamentally for me, like brand is what people have seen consistently from your organization. It isn't about, uh, you know, spending 10 millions on a TV ad. It's about the consistent things that you do and that you stand for, either that they see from you directly or that they hear from other people, you know, the, the sort of word of mouth, yeah. the sort of virality side of things. So for me on social media, I'm like, actually, what value can I actually give to people? Um, you know, there's many people who will spend time, um, you know, using it as, a, as a, a soapbox. But really, you know, over the last couple of years, we've really sort of gone out of our way to try and give value back to people, whether it's actually asking people how we can help them or whether it's, you know, giving them opportunities to do things or, you know, one of the things that we really believe in 11FS is, is actually how do you uh, how do you really sort of undermine some of the business models that other people are bringing? Because I actually think they're quite sort of predatory in many instances. You know, if you have to spend, you know, five grand for a, a standard off the shelf piece of research, well, that doesn't make a lot sense to me um you know we invest in doing those things internally because we want to make sure that our people know that stuff to do the work that we want to do so fundamentally we just give that stuff away for free um you know it's the same logic as the podcast like theoretically we we you know as a small company shouldn't have spent uh you know almost a day a week really producing content to go out there but actually it's kind of our unfair advantage um you know you're not going to be able to get an Accenture or a, a McKinsey or a Deloitte actually sitting, having a beer with a CEO of a bank and, you know, kind of uh, shooting the shit and having having a laugh. And, and actually, that's just sort of the way in which we've established our brands is the same way as we've established credibility in meetings is the same way that actually we talk to each other as humans. You know, we were joking about this actually in the office earlier on is bizarrely one of our fundamental differentiators as an organization is the things that we do for ourselves like you know the product that we create for us whether it's pulse or foundry uh is done in exactly the same way as we do it for clients and there's many times when i've been at a big consultancy or a you know a management consultancy and actually you know the version of what you do for you and the version of what you do for your clients is so dramatically different fundamentally just to justify rates and justify the the cost of the things that you're actually doing so for us really you can't expect people to trust you unless you're trustworthy 
Um, and really, that's what we're setting, setting ourselves out to do. Like, we'll definitely never be the people who are just, yes, sir, like, actually, you know, we don't believe in this, but we'll do it. You're all a part, you're all brand ambassadors, but but that's a, something that um, shouldn't be taken for granted, in my opinion, because there's an awful lot of people who will work for a large organization that don't feel a part of the brand, right? It's, it's that, That's commonplace, I think. But you, you've got something quite different. Let's, let's bring this back to you again, because what how you create content and what you're putting out there you're doing it as a brand ambassador for 11fs you are almost the company itself you're not hiding behind a corporate channel yeah i don't i honestly don't believe in that and even um you know i I really don't believe in um sort of hiding behind anything and if i'm honest with you i've actually believed that for my entire life this isn't just about social media this is about if there's a problem facing into it and actually addressing something rather than either running away or just hoping something goes away so you know even in situations on social where uh you know we i was saying this to somebody this week actually i think the more popular you get on these things the more uh random crazy people who just take exception to anything you say come out of the woodwork yeah definitely and i get that a lot on social it's it's uh, amazing but i kind of find like actually there's a way of kind of addressing all of these things um you know, trying to understand what makes people tick and actually what it would take to, uh, you know, what's going on in somebody's life for them to take such exception to the amount of emojis that I've been using or something kind of random or just, a you know, a point that we're making. But again, though, I think this is um, quite a difference in the way that both from my personal perspective and actually the way in which we're setting the company up is, you know, our tone on the podcast is uh, collaborative. Uh, you know, there's many a times I've started having a, a saying a point and Jason's like, I just don't agree with that. That's wrong. And I'm like, well, why? And we can have a debate about it and we publish that debate and put it out live. Yeah. And that's really not normal for, uh, you know, a CEO of a company to openly be like, I'm happy being wrong because actually I think it's just a sign of respect that both we feel that with new information, we're allowed to change our opinions. But equally, that actually everybody at 11FS actually has an expertise. You know, one of the biggest things that we kind of come back to is that it's respecting other people's capability and expertise in terms of what they're doing. That actually makes this a team and not just a group of individuals. Um, and for me on, on social, you know, this is this is just what I live every day. It's like a I'm at this thing. I'm excited about this. You know, we've done this thing I'm proud of. Um, and actually, how do you really just give people kind of insights into, you know, what it is that we do on a day to day basis and, you know, the highs and the lows and, and actually how people can either help us do something or how can we add value and help them? Yeah. Well, I read an interview you did with Forbes last year where you describe yourself as having been a, a chameleon in your professional life and now you're yourself. I think the recent trend of, of being real and being authentic, whatever that really means, has, has come about because of global politics and people tiring of working out what's real and what isn't, right? Tell me more about what being yourself means to you and how it helps build and market a business. Yeah, no, I, I, again, it's um, for me, I, I feel, um, you know, definitely like I, I kind of went on a bit of a safari really around financial services. It was, you know, go work at an insurance company, go work at a big bank, you know, be a banker, be an insurance guy, you know, be a be a consultant, be a management consultant. There's a conventional route, isn't there? Yeah, you know, I, I've and actually it's um, it's not just a way of thinking. It's it's a uh, all of the the kind of spoils and the attitude and the uh, you know the disguise that kind of goes with it. You know, I've had some 
beautiful suits in my day and um, and, a, and a, a lovelier array of uh, collection of different uh, ties to go with them. But, you know, it, it just wasn't it wasn't me. It was a kind of a persona I needed to do to understand the things that I needed to understand. And from my perspective, actually, I was in a I was in a sort of behind enemy lines type mentality from my perspective, which was actually I, I really just need to understand how all of these things work. Um, you know, I say this a lot, but actually I've kind of learned more from organizations that I kind of felt needed to change really, really drastically than the ones that I've gone to where I'm like, man, this is working really well. Um, you know, there was a period of time at Aviva where uh, we had such an amazing team. And actually, I probably learned almost nothing in a year because actually everything was just amazing. You know, like the team were great. Everybody was super motivated. Everything was uh, being developed, being deployed. We were, you know, deploying and delivering things that haven't been done before. Now, there's other organizations that I've worked in for six months where things were horrific. And actually, I learned so much. So I honestly think there's quite an interesting point there for you know, anybody kind of starting their career, um, I think particularly when you're looking to kind of learn and you're looking to sort of shape the what do I want to be and what do I want to do when I grow up, um, it isn't about the the times where, you know, everything is wonderful. It's actually learning and ensuring that you're learning from every opportunity that you can, whether it's a, a positive experience that uh, you're delivering and you're shaping and the champagne is flowing or whether it's a horrific experience and actually the culture's not right or, you know, all of these things for me have, have been in a situation where I've kind of collected these little things, whether it was positive or negative. And actually, if I'm honest with you, most of the, the negative ones are really what fuel what we do with 11FS today because actually it's stronger feeling about things that you don't want sometimes than it is things that you really do want. I, w- I want to appeal to your tech side now because your background isn't all financial, is it? You know, you've been really interested in artificial intelligence in, in, in the past and and technology in general and it's moved on so fast doesn't it over the, over a, a short amount of time and it's affecting um banking but it's also affecting social media and and content generation so i'm going to ask you to be a bit of a futurist now so what, what do you think social media might look like in a few years time um i do you know what? i think it's a it's an interesting one i think there's been um to your point earlier on i think there's been a bit of a ricochet away from corporate um, you know, the, the, the big trend is is to, you know, humans and humanity. And actually, as you say, sort of being more and more uh, kind of transparent, more and more open and actually having more more and more access to people. So, you know, I think the, the, the trend on social for initially for it being incredibly word, incredibly content driven, I think video has been sort of threatening to be the thing for such a long period of time. But fundamentally, I think the, you know, the bandwidth, the capability and everything that's going there and actually just people's ability to, to um, you know, pop up and do those things. I think things like Instagram Live, I think things like Periscope, I actually think will be probably the fastest growing social networks in the next couple of years uh, as that trend moves to uh, to really engaging with people because again you know one of the reasons why I uh, I love um, you know audio or video over um, Twitter or writing is actually you really get people's personality coming through on those things now you can you know you can read my bad writing and you can you know judge my spelling and grammar um, but actually, if you you hear the sort of passion in my uh, you know my vibe about the thing that I'm talking to somebody about, that and then I just think it comes across in a, a much more authentic way. And now the the challenge, uh, you know, as individuals is you know how do you 
keep fresh? How do you keep the content going? And, and are we being really authentic or, or does it feel still corporate bandwagon jumping? Well, well, and I think from an individual's perspective, you can do that because it's almost like disarming because the, the thing people are looking for is, you know, is you. I think from a corporate perspective, that's really difficult because essentially what you're, you know, you're asking people to do is, um, you know, remove that veil, the difference between what they want to be and what they are. Um, and that really is a challenge, I, I think, in terms of a lot of those organizations, because, uh, you know, it wasn't long ago that actually, uh, you know, I've got told off for every uh, every company I've ever worked for, for being so open on social media. You know, when I was at, at Gartner, um, you know, the amount of times that I just had to speak in the third person about what Gartner's beliefs were or, you know, it's Gartner's opinion, when actually... Sometimes it just wasn't my opinion and I didn't align to those things. So, you know, from from my perspective, I, I think there is a, a real shift there from an individualistic perspective. But from a corporate perspective, they still have that difficulty sort of allowing people to have their own voice and actually have their own opinions um, without it feeling like it's actually detrimental to their brand. Mm. You know, perversely for us, it's the, you know, all of these strings that are in our, uh, you know, our, our bow whether it's, you know, leader writing and her opinions, or whether it's Jason or Simon or, you know, any, you know, uh, Sarah Kachansky and the team, any of these people who are out there having their own opinions about brands or things or functionality or, I don't know, the global economy or, you know, what uh, what Trump does best or well, anything in that space. Now, anybody can have their own opinion and that's fine. Um, and for us, it feels like all of these things together are what make the company stronger. Well, exactly. It, you're showing yourself uh, to be a company that allows that sort of freedom of, of thought. Mm. Well, and actually openly having a discussion about it. You know, there's I think there was an occasion a couple of weeks ago, me, Sarah and Jason had a conversation you know, open on Twitter about something we all disagreed on. And that's okay, you know, and we're okay with that. Again, it, it kind of comes back to the lines of uh, the the line of respect for other people's opinions. Um, you know, I think there's an, definitely an element at, at some point with uh, many organizations that they get to the point where there's the this sort of group think perspective. Um, and actually, you know, the, the sort of core alignment and the corporate way of doing things um, and we really don't believe in that you know we really do believe that actually you know every different individual that comes in creates another aspect to that that culture of the organization um, and for me I honestly think this has been such an interesting sort of journey because to your, to your point around technology you know my background was was actually um, you know sporting stuff before it was anything to do with technology or, or, or banking um, but I kind of went very quickly from you know, looking to have a sporting career to... This was work. basketball, right? Yeah. Well, it's basketball, but actually a bunch of other things as well. You know, I ended up doing... So I played county rugby and badminton and squash and swimming and athletics and all sorts of... You know, it literally how my knees even cope today, I have no idea, quite frankly. But uh, um, but it's one of those things that I really had no intention on doing anything other than that. You know, I was training to uh, do sports, but actually you fall back into physiotherapy, uh, not for me, although that would probably be a good idea right now, <laughs> yeah. um, but for other people. So, you know, sports science and human biology. Um, and when that sort of dream had to end, then I flipped to, uh, you know, doing computing and mathematics and, uh, and studying, uh, business. Um, luckily for me though, um, you know, the same year that uh, my parents bought me my first basketball when I was five, they actually bought me my first computer as well. Uh, I remember it really well. It was a Amstrad 1512, and it was a absolute thing of beauty. Uh, I wish I still had it today. 
Oh, um, you don't have it. You don't. Have I it. don't. Sadly, I don't. But it's um, it's one of those ones where it's um, you know, computing and uh, technology have always been something that's been in the house and kind of in my blood, if I'm honest with you. My my dad um, was majorly into IT in a oil and gas company. And uh, from my perspective, it was really sort of what I was brought up with. So moving from that, from sports to uh, to, to technology, I know I did an undergrad in computing, a master's in business information systems, and also studied to be a uh, Cisco certified engineer and a Microsoft certified engineer. So I've done hardware engineering, I've done software engineering, um, but thankfully, given that I'm a sporting guy, I can actually put sentences together as well. It's <laughs> real, uh, a real, uh, in, you know, I can't write them clearly, but uh, at least I can speak them. So, so yeah, it's, it's been great throughout my career, if I'm honest with you, because it's one of those things that actually, you know, technology is a fundamental to everything these days. I honestly think there is such a lack of um, technology understanding at the, you know, senior levels of many organizations. And that just leaves them beholden to their CIOs. You know, you're in a situation, particularly in big banks, you're in a situation where the CTO and the CIO, really the people who are running the ship, you know, those are the guys who are spending the money and moving the, trying to move the mountains. Uh, you know, many instances I've seen very good, you know, UK bank CEOs who are really good business people people but the, their lack of uh, understanding from a, a technology perspective has led them to spend you know multiple billions down a dark alley um, and that's a you know that's a worrying thing I think we're you know we're starting to see that that shift a little bit now in terms of people with real uh, appreciation and understanding of those things kind of coming to the fray um, but you know given banking is digital it's not digital banking anymore it's just banking and you know 99% of banking is digital then uh, you know fundamentally this is this has been a skills gap that um, they really just couldn't afford not to fill and content uh, is the future of content creation in the hands of clever algorithms as as banking might be um, I'm not sure necessarily the creation of content is um, I think definitely um, definitely we're not there yet um, you know I can see a future where actually that could be the case um, but I think if I'm honest with you I think the the sort of future on these things is actually the level of personalization that it will actually bring to it you know my frustration with uh, with Twitter is that actually it's it's a torrent of um, of content um, Actually, the, the thing that I think the from an algorithmic perspective will actually bring is actually what the promise of digital was in the first place, which was actually the Internet for me. Um, not just the Internet that actually I happen to be able to chance upon because I'm looking at Twitter at the split second that somebody tweets a thing and then it's gone. Um, but actually, at the point where you start engaging with more content, that the algorithms can actually start displaying stuff much more sort of pertinent and, and actually personalized to you. Um, so for me, the the actual creation of that content might not be the thing that actually we, we start to see being controlled solely by algorithms. Rhythms, um, but definitely the distribution of that to ensure that actually the impact of it is is really really felt. Um, you know, we've already seen this in terms of the distribution channels that things like Instagram ads or Facebook does, or you know the uh, the capability that Google ads have in terms of ensuring that their distribution is hitting the people that you want it to to be. Um, and that really sort of leads to a, a bit of a trend where actually you you see. Uh, a few people really garnering great natural engagement and then a lot of people who are having to pay you know for distribution to ensure the messages that they want are meeting the people that they're distributing to um, and different if I'm honest different social media channels whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter um, are starting to address that in different ways 
you know, Facebook for a period of time was one of the best ways of really accessing people and getting natural capability. Now, if you really want to get reach on that platform, it's a it's a pay to play set up yeah and again if i'm if i'm honest uh, one of the things that's really sort of made us uh you know allowed us to create the brand that we've got in the period that we have is naturally across uh, a lot of the people that we've got in our uh, exact team and broader have really good communities have got really good uh, engagement through social with whatever form of content that they're creating um and that's allowed us to um you know definitely punch a, a lot higher than our weight all right. Well, my final question is an easy one. How how do we contact you, David? I mean, it's it's hard. Actually, you say it's an easy one. Like, <laughs> given the reasonable omnipresence now in terms <laughs> of uh, social media, then uh, I mean, it's like it's pick your social media channel of choice yeah. and um, search for David Bray. Um, Google's always a great start. If not, just email me on david at elevenfs.com. Brilliant. Thanks. So thanks again for joining me on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, that was David Breer. Check out 11FS at 11FS.com. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you prefer and keep the love flowing. Take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. And in the meantime, stay tuned. There's definitely more to come.